Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Shalom, everyone. Today's Amud in Masechet Sanhedrin is Bet Amud Bet 2b. Sant Hashem, we're going to start from the beginning of the Gemara, about uh, five, six lines from the top of Bet Amud Bet. And we're going to have two sections in today's learning. Before we begin, just to mention, our learning should be a zechut, a merit for a flash lema for Yaakov ben Dina. It should have a speedy and quick recovery very soon. So we're going to have two sections in today's learning. The first section we'll deal with is Rabbi Avahu's clarification of reading of the first line of the Mishnah. And then the second section we'll get to is going to be the ultimate challenge that refutes Rabbi Avahu, and we'll see as Rava gives a second way to understand the Mishnah in terms of the setup. So before we begin the Gemara, let's just remember where we left off yesterday. We had a big Mishnah yesterday that spoke about court cases that are adjudicated by the court of three, by the court of 23, by the court of 71. And then at the end of the Mishnah, we spoke about... (coughs) We spoke about the sources that we know for this concept of, of the Sanhedrin Agadol, the great Sanhedrin in the Beit HaMikdash of 71, as well as the lower courts of 23 that could also judge capital cases. The Gemara, in the beginning, focuses on the first line of the Mishnah. So let's just look back at the first line of the Mishnah. It said like this, The Mishnah told us, Cases, monetary cases, are judged by three people. And then it says another sentence, Cases of theft, and chavalot, which is personal or body damage, is judged by a court of three people. So the Gemara's first question is the obvious challenge here. You already said that monetary cases are judged by three people, so why do you have to emphasize after that theft and chavalot and bodily damage is judged by three people? Is that not included under monetary cases? So why is there that extra emphasis? And we'll see Rabbi Yavau attempts to explain the Mishnah and uh, make it flow. So let's see. Says the Gemara, Are gizelot, theft, and physical damage, or bodily damage, not considered dine mamonot, not considered monetary cases? Why does the Mishnah need to elaborate and say, gizelot and chavalot, if you already said monetary cases are judged by three people? So, I'm Rabbi Avau. Rabbi Avau explains as follows. Now, let me just explain this outside, and then we'll see it inside. Rabbi Avau wants to explain the Mishnah like this. Really, Dine Mamonot is the general introduction. Monetary cases are judged by three people. What types of monetary cases are we discussing? Gizelot and Chavalot. So it gives us clarification as to what monetary cases we're talking about. Now, why do we need that clarification? Because as Rabbi Avo is going to explain, it's coming to exclude that there's other monetary cases that are not treated like Gizelot and Chavalot, and that refers to cases of loans that they're not going to be the same in Halakha, even though they are monetary cases. Let's see that inside. Am Rabbi Avo, so Rabbi Avo explains, this is how you have to read the line of the Mishnah. 
Mahen katani. The Mishnah means to say, what are those cases that are momonot that we're talking about in the Mishnah? Mahen dine momonot. This is how you read the Mishnah. What are those scenarios in the Mishnah of momonot of monetary cases? Gizelot bechavalot. It refers to theft and bodily damage. But it's coming to exclude, that's the chidush. Aval hodaot vehalvaot lo. But scenarios, hodot literally means admitting, and halvaot means loans, that's not included in the Mishnah's cases of mamonot. Now what are these? These are both cases of loans. Rashi explains there are two ways of having a court case associated with loans. Hodot means a person brings witnesses to court that testify that another person admitted in front of us, hoda, he admitted in front of us that he owes the fellow who brought us to court money. Halva'ot is they come to court and they say, these witnesses say, that we testify we saw this fellow borrow money from the person who brought us to court. It's the same idea though ultimately, they're both cases of loans. So the chidush of the Mishnah says Rabbi Yavo is, Dine Mamonot require three. Which types of Dine Mamonot are we talking about? That's only by theft and bodily damage. But when it comes to loans, scenarios of loans, that's different, that's not included in the Mishnah. That's what the Mishnah is excluding. And Rabbi Avo continues to explain why the Mishnah had to set it up this way. Vitzricha, we need both parts. means we need to write in the Mishnah the part of Momonot, and we also need to emphasize Hodaot and Halvaot. Why? Mm-hmm. If we only wrote the first part, I would have said, that it includes also cases of loans. So Tana Gizelot Vechavalot, therefore it emphasizes, no, what types of Dine Momonot are we discussing in the Mishnah? Theft and bodily damage, excluding cases of loans. And if we only taught in the Mishnah the second clause, that Gizelot and Chavalot require three judges, theft and bodily damage, and we would not have taught the first sentence, the first clause, the rules, the cases of Mamonot, so I would have said perhaps really, I would have said like this. <clears throat> Really, the Mishnah does not mean to exclude cases of loans. So if it doesn't mean to exclude those cases, why does it then write Gzelot and Chavalot? Katani Gzelot Chavalot. It only used this terminology of Gzelot and Chavalot, theft and bodily damage, Mishum de Ikar Gimel Dichtivi, because the source in the Torah that we know this concept that civil law, monetary law, can be adjudicated by a court of three, where is that derived from? Big Zelot It's written in the Parsha that talks about theft and bodily damage. Where do we find this? Gizelot, we know in the Parsha of, of theft, actually as Rashi explains, something about a Shomer who steals, but in the, it's a Parsha that talks about theft. Dichtiv, the Pasuk there says, V'nikrav balabayit el Elohim. The owner of the item will bring the thief, in this case the Shomer, the guardian, we'll speak about that soon, to Elohim. Now Elohim here does not mean God. Elohim here is a way to refer to the judges. And Rashi explains, it uses the word Elohim, referring to judges, three times in that parsha that talks about theft. And from that we deduce that monetary cases are judged by a court of three, because it uses the word Elohim, judges three times. So you would have said, maybe the reason the Mishnah uses the word Gzelot and Chavalot, it's not to exclude that loans are different. Really, loans would be the same. It only says Gzelot because that is the source in the Torah that a court of three is used for monetary cases. And Chavalot is the same idea. Chavalot also, Mali Chavalot, 
What is the distinction if he physically damaged a person's body? And what's the difference if he damages his money? Meaning to say, it's also included in Gzeilot in a certain way. So therefore, says the Gemara, if it would not have introduced the Mishnah with Dine Mamonot Bishlosha, I would have said the reason it's saying Gzeilot and Chavalot is not to create a distinction between Gzeilot and Chavalot and the cases of Halva'ah of loans. Rather, Halva'ah is included in the cases of the Mishnah. It only says and because that's the classic case the Torah uses when it teaches us this principle that monetary cases are adjudicated with three, but it includes halvaot as well. Kamash Malan, therefore Tana, the author of our Mishnah wrote as follows, it introduces cases of money, monetary cases are judged with a, a group of three, three judges, and what is that including? Second clause, only dafka, kselot and chavalot, the cases of theft and bodily damage, but by writing it this way, it teaches us that cases of admittance, meaning cases of loans, it would not be the same, it would be distinct in halacha from kselot and chavalot. Now, what we just concluded is that Rabbi Yavo is interpreting the first line of the Mishnah as follows. First, it writes, to teach us monetary cases require a court of three, and then it says, What types of monetary cases are we discussing? Specifically theft and physical damage. But it excludes, says Rabbi Yavo, that's the chidush, that halvaot, cases of loans, are not included under this uh, category. They would not have the same halacha as gzelot and chavalot. Now, we didn't make what that distinction is, but what hala- the Gemara is about to ask what halachic distinction is there between theft and damages versus halvaot? You're saying that's what the Mishnah is highlighting. But what is the halachic difference? So logically, the Gemara is going to suggest, well, if you're excluding halvaot from the Mishnah, and the Mishnah says gzelot and chavalot require three judges, so the logical conclusion would be that according to Rabbi Avahu, the way the Tana would be teaching us, is that when it comes to halvaot, you don't need three judges. When it comes to loan cases, you don't necessarily require a court case of three judges. The problem is that's not going to work, but let's see. Ulamai. So asks the Gemara, what is the necessity, according to Rabbi Yavo, in the Mishnah to distinguish, for what halacha do we distinguish between theft and damage versus loans? If it means that cases of loans do not require three judges, maybe cases of loans don't require three judges. Or could have one or two judges too. The problem is Rabbi Avo himself implies that cases of loans are the same and do require three judges. Because Vaha'amar Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Avo comments, it's brought later in the Masechet, where he comments that there is a machloket there, as Rashi explains here, if two litigants are fighting about something and they just want to make a pshara, they want to make a compromise. So there is a debate, can you make a compromise with a court of two judges? There is such a debate that exists there. But Rabbi Avo comments on that and says, Shnayim shedanu dine momonot, in a scenario where you have a real case, a real court case that litigants come to court to be judged by a court in a monetary case, and monetary here includes loans as well, both opinions would agree, everybody would agree, 
din that if two people judge excuse me two people who judged dine mamanot cases monetary cases including cases of loans even that might be effective according to one opinion to have a judge two judges judge a case for psharat to create a compromise but for monetary cases you always require three and din their judgment would not be effective so says the gemara and that's rabbi avo himself Clearly, Rabbi Avo holds that loans, which is included under, in that context, monetary cases, requires three like damages, like theft. So again, back to the question. Rabbi Avo is learning that our mission is creating some sort of a difference in halacha between theft and damages versus the scenario of loans. Well, what is that distinction? The Gemara is about to suggest is that the distinction is that whereas when it comes to the cases of our Mishnah, the cases of Gezel and Chavala, uh, theft and physical damage, those require three judges, but they also require Mumchin. They require professional judges. As Rashi explains, Mumchin are judges that have Smicha. Now Smicha here does not just mean what we call today Smicha rabbinical uh, ordination. Smicha was an unbroken chain, Rebbe student, Rebbe student, back to Moshe Rabbeinu, which we don't have anymore, by the way. The Smicha we have today is more uh, studying a certain group of, a certain amount of knowledge, and then taking a test, and then you could paskin alacha. But that was actually Smicha. It was a connection back to Moshe Rabbeinu, Rebbe Talmud, Rebbe Talmud, ordained by his Rebbe back to Moshe Rabbeinu, and, a, and appointed by the Nasi in order to be a judge. That's a mumchin. That, those are proficient judges. So whereas when it comes to Gizela and Chavala, theft and bodily damage, you need three judges, but you need these three proficient judges, you need these professional judges. When it comes to halva'ah, when it comes to loans, you also need three, as we clarified, but they could be hediotot, they could be ordinary judges. You don't need three judges who have smicha, who are mumchin. That's the distinction that Rabbi Avo would say the Mishnah is creating. Let's see that inside now. Ella, the Gemara, answers, what is the difference the Mishnah is creating between these areas of judgment? That regarding halvaot, regarding monetary cases, whereas regarding theft and bodily damage, you do require these professional high-level judges. But regarding halva'a, that's why the Mishnah is excluding halva'a. You don't need professional judges. You can have these... Uh, could call them uh, more amateur judges, and that would also be effective in judging cases of loans. And we'll understand later, momentarily, why there is such a distinction, but that is the distinction Rabbi Avo says our Mishnah is highlighting with this category of Gzelot and Chavalot. Okay, now before we see this next step, I have to explain this outside. This is based on a Gemara in Baba Kama and Baba Metziah. So just quick background here. In Parashat Mishpatim, we have... Two parashiyot. First, we have a section in the parasha that talks about shomrim. Now, shomrim are the halachot of watchmen, people that watch item for another person. And then afterwards, we have a parasha, vim kesef talveet ami, which talks about loaning money to other Jews. So we have shomrim, watchmen, and then we have afterwards the parasha that discusses loans. Within the parasha of shomrim, there is a pasuk that says, Asher Yomar Kihuze. Asher Yomar Kihuze, the, the Pasuk here tells us, Asher Yomar Kihuze, etc., etc. 
which the Gemara deduces Asher Yomar the principle of Mode Bimiktzata Ta'ana. And this is a very important idea just to understand this, to appreciate this sugya. What is Mode Bimiktzata Ta'ana? Mode Bimiktzata is as follows. If I, someone claims that I owe him $100, and I say, no, I don't owe you $100, I owe you $50. So what I've just done is I've admitted to part of the claim against me. Now, that pasuk in the, in the parashah of Shomrim teaches us that in such a scenario, as the pasuk says, I'm chayav to make a shvuah min Torah, there's a responsibility now for me to make a swear in court because I admitted to part of the claim against me. If I would have denied it outright, I would not be chayav a shvuah min Torah. I would not be chayav to make a vow to back up my position. But now that I admitted partially, now I have to swear. That's in the parasha of Shomrim. Now there is a machloket in Mesechet Babakama. That pasuk, Asher Yomar there is a machloket. Does that really apply within the parameters of Shomrim? Or does it really apply, which is coming up after, as I said, the next parasha later, which talks about lending money? So let me explain. And I'll use the language the Gemara uses when we, so we'll see it inside, it'll make more sense. One way to look at it is, Eruv Parshiyot, that there's a concept of the Parshiyot being mixed together. I'm not going to explain this, why this would be, but just explain what. Eruv Parshiyot means that the two sections of the Torah, Shomrim and the guardians, watchmen, and lenders or loans are actually mixed together, which would mean to say, this idea being Modeb Mekzat, you're only going to be Chayav to swear if you admit to part of the claim against you, this is not actually meant to be applied in Shomrim, but rather these parashiyot are mixed together because it's really out of place. It really should apply to the parashah of loans, which means if somebody comes to me and says, you borrowed $100 from me, and I say, no, I only borrowed 50 so then I'll be chayav to make a shvua. It does not apply in the parashah of Shomrim, and therefore, if I have someone watching my item, and he completely denies that I lent, I had that item by him, that's not a loan, that's, he's a watchman, he would be chayav a shvua, even if he doesn't admit to part of it. That's the shita who says, eruv parashiyot nekrukan, meaning that the parashiyot are mixed together because that pasuk that teaches us this halacha of modeb mekzat is written in Shomrim but it applies actually to loans. There's a second shita there in Baba Kama that says, no, we don't say Eru parashiyot, uh, that we don't say that they're mixed together. And actually, in order for a Shomer to be chayav to swear, if I gave him an item to watch and it's by him, and then I claim, where's my item? And he says, I don't have your item at all. In such a scenario, actually, he would not have to swear. It's only if he admits partially, because it applies to the parashah of Shomrim, that he would be chayav to swear. But the bottom line that comes out is, according to one shita, we look at these parashiyot as if they're mixed together or combined. That's eruv parashiyot. According to the other shita, we say they're not. They're separate, separate parashiyot. And this is the kicker. We know in the parashah of Shomrim, that's the source for the two points that we mentioned before. One is that you need three judges for monetary cases because it says the word Elohim three times in that parasha of Shomrim. And two, we also find that it says the word Elohim. Elohim means not just regular judges, but high-level judges, author- authoritative judges. That's written in the parasha of Shomrim. So let me speak out the question. The Gemara is going to say like this. 
How does Rabbi Avo understand the Tana of our Mishnah? Again, you're saying, Rabbi Avo, that the Mishnah means to distinguish. You need three judges in both scenarios of Gezel Chavala as well as in the case of Halva'a. The difference is when it comes to Mumchim. It's okay, Aaron? It's okay? Yeah. That whereas when it comes to Gezel and Chavala, you need professional judges. When it comes to Halva'a, you don't need professional, although you still need three judges. So the Gemara is going to say like this. It doesn't make sense according to either opinion that we just listed. If you hold Eruv Parshiyot, that the Parshiyot are mixed together, and that's why, just as in Shomrim, you'll need three judges, also in Halva'a. In loans, you'll need three judges. Problem is, the same word Elohim that teaches us three, it also teaches us you need to be professional. So then you should also need professional judges for loans as well. And if you hold the parshiot are not combined, so then how do you know altogether you need three judges for loans in the first place? So Rabbi Avo's conclusion about the distinction the mission is creating doesn't seem to be substantiated with either of these opinions. Let's see that back inside now. My kasavar, what does Rabbi Avo hold the Tana of our Mishnah would hold? I kasavar, if he holds Eruv Parshiot Katuv Khan, that the Parshiot of Shomrim and then loans are mixed together, so Libayinami Mumchin. So then you should also need professional judges, Mumchin, when it comes to Alva'a because the Parshiot are combined and Elohim would be applied from Shomrim to the Parsha of uh, loans. But if he holds a Eruv Parshiot Katuvkan, that the Parshiot are not mixed together, not to be combined, so Shloshalamali, you don't even need three, because the only way we know three is it says Elohim three times in the Parashah of Shomrim, and if they're not combined, loans don't, shouldn't require judgment of three either. One should be sufficient. So what does he hold? Answers the Gemara, La'olam Kasava, really Rabbi Avo would hold that the Tanav our Mishnah would hold, Eruv Parshiot Katuvkan. The Parshiot are meant to be mixed together, as we explained. But if that's true, <coughs> it should come out then if they're mixed together. We should apply the rule of Elohim that you need professional judges, mumchin, not only by Shomrim, but also by loans. So how can you make this distinction then between Gezel and Chavalah versus loans? But the reason you still don't need mumchin for loans is mishum de Rabbi Chanina, based on a ruling of Rabbi Chanina. Rabbi Chanina is going to tell us, as we'll see momentarily, that the Chachamim made a takana. It's a rabbinic enactment that you should not require, as we'll see in a moment, the level of stringency when it comes to Capital cases, we don't apply the same thing when it comes to monetary cases. So we're going to borrow this logic and say the same thing should be that even though Midoraita, really you should need three professional judges for loans, the Chachamim relaxed it and said you don't need three professional judges when it comes to loans. You can get away with Hedyotot, ordinary judges. What is this Takana that Rabbi Hanina taught us? The Amr Rabbi Hanina is Rabbi Hanina taught. Devar Torah, Mina Torah, based on Torah law, whether it's capital cases or it's monetary cases, they should require cross-questioning. Drishan Chakira means when someone comes into court and he brings in witnesses to support his position against his litigant, against the other person, those witnesses require cross-questioning. They would take them out separately, each, ask each one for his story, get the facts on the table, see if they match up, and if there's discrepancies, then they would throw the case, throw the witnesses in the case out of court. 
Says Rabbi Hanina, on the Torah level, you need to do this cross-questioning, this Drishan Chakira, both for capital cases as well as for monetary cases. Where do we know this from? Turning to Gimel Amur Aleph, Shene'emar, as the Pasuk tells us, Mishpat Echad Yelachem. It says, there shall be one law for you, meaning is that the law should be the same both for cases that potentially could result in death, as well as cases that will be only involved in a monetary sense. So both should require drishan chakira. They both really should require cross-questioning in order to determine if the, if the witnesses are accurate and you'd throw it out if they're not, if they don't line up. Says Rabbi Hanina, Umatam amru. So why did the Chachamim say, create a takana, an enactment, that monetary cases do not require cross-questioning, meaning they relaxed this rule. They said it only applies that you require cross-questioning by capital cases, not by monetary cases. Why did they say that? In order not to lock the door in front of lovin, borrowers. Now what does that mean? So Rashi explains as follows person will not feel comfortable lending money if he is concerned that he won't get his money back. He'll, he doesn't want to lend money like that. He'll be more inclined to lending money if he knows that he's going to end up getting his money back. Now we want society to be lending money. It's a mitzvah actually. It's a mitzvah to lend money and therefore, and, and in doing so you help the people that require loans. So what's the issue here? If you require drishan chakira also by monetary cases. So what happened is as follows. A guy comes to me for a loan. Now I'm concerned because maybe what's going to happen is, I know there's witnesses that see the loan, but the issue is maybe later that fellow who borrowed the money is going to deny it. I'll go to court with him. I'll bring witnesses who saw the loan. They'll trip up. They'll make some sort of a mistake in their testimony, not intentionally obviously. But Then what will end up happening is I won't end up getting my loan back, my money back. And this is going to create a societal issue because lenders, potential lenders, will be concerned. I don't want to lend money. It's going to come back to bite me. I lent the guy money. He denied it. My witnesses, for whatever reason, made a misstep or a misspoke, and they threw out my court case, and now I can't get my money back. So in order to ensure that society would continue to lend money and that people, poor people or people that require loans would continue to be able to receive them, the Chachamim said yes. Although midoraita, we should require cross-questioning for scenarios of monetary level two, we relax that we don't require that. And this way people feel comfortable lending money. On the side, the Ran points out, this is a tremendous thought, because really what just emerged, we just said is, although on Torah law, the halacha is, you do require cross-questioning for monetary cases against the witnesses. The Chachamim relaxed that. How are they allowed to do that? So the Ran explains, and this is based on many sugyot and shas, is they're allowed to relax that based on a principle of hefker, beitin, hefker. What does that mean? Is that beitin is given the ability, to some degree, certain cases, to control the money of the Jewish people and to create takanot if it's necessary. So in this instance, they said, although we should do cross-questioning, since it's regarding monetary cases, we're not going to do cross-questioning. They do have such a koach, which is a tremendous thing. Says the Gemara, and this Sarashi explains it, it's the same thing here. Even though Midoraita were saying, Iruv parshiot katuvkan, really, you mix the two parshiot together, and Shomrim and Alvaot should be mixed together, and since Elohim, you require proficient judges when it comes to Shomrim, you should also require it for cases of loans. But the issue is, 
if that was true, I would be very nervous to lend money because it's hard to find professional judges. So maybe I'll lend somebody money, he'll deny it, and we're not going to be able to find professional judges to adjudicate the case, and then I'll be left hanging without getting my loans back. So therefore, we're going to use the same principle of Rabbi Hanina to say, that's why, Midrabanan, they said there's a distinction. We're not going to require professional judges for loans so that lenders will continue to lend, although really you should based on Eruv Parshiot. And therefore, we've explained now the Mishnah, according to Rabbi Avo, is making this distinction. For Gezlan Chavala, you do require professional, professional judges. For loans, you should. Ikra didn't require them, but rabbinically they said you don't require them. So people would continue to lend money without being concerned. They won't be able to find these judges later to get their money back. Says the Gemara, But according to what you're saying now, this is a very interesting halacha later on the Gemara is going to tell us like this. If a person is judged by a professional court, so the halacha is, Chachamim created in a, a backing for those professional judges. If they make a mistake of some sort, the litigants are not allowed to sue them. They can't sue the judges, even though the judges made a mistake. And therefore, the judges are protected. They won't have to pay out after, even if they made an error. But if people are judged by hediotot, by ordinary people, by not professional judges, and those judges make a mistake in psak, they'll end up having to pay if they did indeed make a mistake. The question the Gemara wonders is, but I don't understand. The way you're saying now is that Chazal relaxed the biblical requirement to require really professional judges for loans. They said, no, you don't need professional judges. You could have ordinary judges, which means they're backing ordinary judges for loans. If that's the case, then ordinary judges become like mumchin, like professional ones. So why will they be held liable if they indeed make a mistake? They should be like professional ones. They don't have to pay back if they make a mistake. Elameyata says the Gemara, but according to what you're saying now, ta'u lo yashlimu. If these ordinary judges make a mistake, they shouldn't be responsible to pay, but the Gemara later in Lamed Gimel says they will be. So the Gemara answers, no. Kol shekein, if you wouldn't require them to pay, so then certainly you're locking the door in front of borrowers. Meaning to say is, if when it comes to a scenario of non-professional judges and they adjudicate a scenario, a case, and they're not going to be held responsible if they make a mistake, so again, it's back to the issue. I'm going to be nervous to lend money because who am I going to go to after? Non-professional judges. And if they judge wrong, they're not responsible to make good on it. So I'm going to be nervous about that. So that for sure will create such an issue. And therefore, says the Gemara, in conclusion, explaining Rabbi Avo, we're saying is, really, karadin, you should require professional judges, like you require three judges, by the way. It should be the same as chavalot and gzelot, damages. It should be the same as halvot. It should be the same that you should require three as well as professional. So why do we only require three and not professional judges? The Gemara says it's basically a takanad rabbanan based on the words of Rabbi Hanina in order to make sure that society will continue to lend money without concern. Later I won't be able to find these professional judges and then I won't be able to get my money back. So it's a rabbinic leniency that relaxed the biblical level in order to ensure society continues to lend money. And that's the chidush of the Mishnah saying Dine mamonot pishlosha, which dine mamonot require three? Kizelot pechavalot pishlosha, and not halvaot, those don't require three. They do require three people, but they don't require professional judges. Beautiful. The Gemara says, great pshat. But the problem is, it does not fit good in the words of the Mishnah. And the Gemara says two reasons, really, they're one and the same. Question number one, ihachi, if what you're saying is true, 
Tartikatani. Why did the Mishnah write this in such a strange way? It could have really, if you look at the Mishnah, you could read the same shot into the Mishnah, but look at it as two different clauses. The first clause is Dine Mamonot Bishlosha. What Dine Mamonot are we talking about require three? The Mishnah could mean cases of loans. Cases of loans require three, and what does it mean, by the way? Three hedyotot, three non-professional judges. And then the second statement could be read, gizelot v'chavalot bishlosha. Theft and bodily damage require three. Separate clause. Why is it a separate clause? Because it's talking about three professional judges. So Rabbi Avau, why are you reading that the Mishnah is excluding the case of Halvaot? It should be included in the first case. And you read it as two separate clauses. It's a much better reading in the Mishnah. Let's read that inside. Hiachi asks the Gemara, Tarti Katani, why can't you read into the Mishnah as two separate clauses? Not that the second part explains the first. As follows, Dine Momonot Bishloshad Yotot. When it says Dine Momonot, it means monetary cases of loans require three had yotot, ordinary judges. And then the second clause is, Gezelot Vechavalot Bishlosha Mumchin. Theft and bodily damage require three. Mumchin, they require three professional judges. Now, you don't have to say the mission is excluding something and it's all one rule, but rather it's two separate rules. It's the same pshat that you're saying. It just fits better in the words. Why wouldn't you read it that way? Va'od, and furthermore, and this is the knockout punch to Rabbi Avo's reading. Shlosha, shlosha, lamali. Look at the Mishnah, it clearly breaks it up into two separate categories because first it says, Dine momonot bishlosha. Monetary cases require a court of three. It separates it. If it's one line, it should have just said three people are required for mamonot and gizelot and chavalot. The fact that it separates three and three, clearly it's talking about two different clauses. Well, what are the two different clauses? Beautiful, like we just said. First it's saying that halvaot, loan cases, require three ordinary judges. And the second is exactly the same halacha, it just fits better in the words, is that chavalot and gzelot require three professional judges. And therefore the Gemara says, your reading of the Mishnah Rabbi Avo, even though your pshat's not wrong, your reading is inaccurate. And therefore the Gemara says, Ela Amarava, Rava rather says, that is the pshat in the Mishnah. Meaning, not like Rabbi Avo read it, but rather, Tarti Katani. Rather, there's two clauses in the Mishnah, Mishum de Rabbi Hanina, based on the leniency, as we explained, of Rabbi Hanina, that we want to encourage loans in the society. So therefore, we read it into the Mishnah exactly like that, which means the first clause of the Mishnah is saying, means cases of money. What cases of money? Halvaot. Loans require three judges. Which type of judges? Non-professional judges. Ordinary people. That's sufficient. Why? Even though you really should require a professional based on Eruv Parshiyot, we require three ordinary in order that people will continue to lend money. Right? It's good. And then the second clause of the mission is a separate halacha. Gizelot and Chavalot, which are theft and damage, those require three professional judges, and that's a separate clause. And says Rava, that's a better way to read it into the Mishnah, and this way you don't have to say the second part is explaining the first, rather it's two separate clauses. So Rava's not necessarily arguing in the halacha, he's just saying how to read it into the Mishnah differently. This fits better in the words of the Mishnah. Now we're going to stop here at Rav Acha Breder of Iko, which is towards the top of Gimel Amud Aleph, We'll pick up tomorrow with Gimel Amud Aleph, which is going to be a second way we could explain the Mishnah, beyond Rava, I guess a third really, because we're at Rabbi Avau so far. We had Rava, and we're going to have a third explanation tomorrow, Rav Achav Rav Ika. In the meantime, everybody have a wonderful day. All the best.